Market Watch is proudly brought to you by Top Sport, home of the Top Sport betting multi. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. G'day everyone, welcome to what we call a very special edition of the Market Watch podcast. I think we say that every week. Anyway, this one is very special. It's proudly brought to you by topsport.com.au, home of the best of the best multis. Now, from what I understand, there's been a, a rise up the rankings to the lofty position of six for Tristan Merlehand, who is the number six seed up there at Top Sport. Along for the ride as well is Jared Condon from readingtheplay.com. Dot AU. Grand final week, fellas. How good is that? Grand final week, yes. It is one of the most exciting weekends of the year. And uh, you're right, Jimmy. I have, I've risen up to six. There's, there's a big red arrow pointing down next to Robin Merlihan's name. She's been in the bad books. But uh, everyone else is, uh, is ticking along well. And, yes, we've got a huge weekend in front of us. We've got rugby league grand final, AFL grand final, a huge weekend of racing, as well as the NFL continuing. So I cannot wait to uh, to look into it all today with you guys. Ah, uh, yes, Brisbane, beautiful one day, two grand finalists the next um, in the AFL, in the in the NRL. What a great weekend. I eh? sit back Saturday and just watch those teams from Brisbane go around. Um, great to see you here, Jimmy, and um, we're recording and we're live and it's uh, all good for the podcast this week. Uh, strong rumours coming through too that I've actually paid up my account for Zoom too, so we might not have to cut it up like we did last week. Anyway, that's behind the scenes stuff and no need to talk about that. Why didn't you expand it out a little bit, Jared, and talk Queensland and then you got three sides in with the Gold Coast Titans uh, turning out in the NRLW. Massive shock last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, coming up as well. well. Well, Jimmy, I think you're about to drop down the seedings because you don't have the Titans T-shirt on this week. So yeah, um, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in town. So I'm doing this from in the studios of SEN. So apologies on that. Now, just uh, what about Mr. Merlihan? He's going to go to Grand Final day, and he's going to see the club he supports. Well, some weeks in the Titans and sponsors in the uh, the ladies' grand final, and then he's going to see his dear old Panthers go around in a major and NRL grand final. Some weeks, Jared, I, I, I think I would be. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I think there's an every week next to the Titans. But yes, what a performance by the girls uh, last weekend, which we'll get into to keep the uh, the Chook scoreless, which. Uh, I think uh, a few people might have been quite happy to to see that. But, yes, it's going to be a uh, good day down there, taking the girls down to grand final day. They're very excited to see the, the Titans play in the girls' comp and then, in their words, the best team in the comp play in the men. So they're very much on the Panthers' bandwagon as well. Uh, okay, so shout-out to Joe from the Titans. Uh, Tristan's support is unconditional. Happens every week, all right. So just just to be just to be clear on that one. I think the big question is knowing that you're going to be in Sydney now, Tristan. Will the girls, your girls, be leading the Gold Coast Titans girls out? Because I think they're one from one with the men's team. They are one from one, and there's a few negotiations going on behind the scenes. Uh, whether we, I think this is the big game to maybe get get the get them over the line. So yes, they've been uh, they've been discussing it, but uh, at the moment we're going to be very happily sitting up in our seats watching how things play out. Dear, oh dear, Mr. Merlihan taking the wife and daughters to Sydney for the weekend and to watch the Titans play. Talk about elevating yourself back up the, the, the seed listings by next week. And particularly if Summer Lovin wins at 30-1 to 1 on the Saturday as well, then <laughs> I, I think there'll be a big green arrow pointing up there. 
he, he hasn't got many points to defend uh, October, November, December either. So he could really go up the rankings. So we'll, we'll watch with interest. Now, speaking of this, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, why don't you go and leave a uh, review? That helps us with our rankings across all the Apple and Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and remember that we're going to continue after this week. Uh, obviously, the NFL is a big part of this podcast and so too our racing. So uh, if you think that we're going to wrap it up after the NRL, not the case. Uh, we'll be going right through through uh, all of the summer as well. So, yeah, as I say, if you do that, get there, leave a little review. Now, actually, if it's a bad one, just mention Tristan, all right? And if it's a good one, then throw Jared and I in there. Uh, now... Um, before we go forward, we'd like to go back. Jared, uh, how did we perform last week? Um, I think we all did pretty well, especially with the horses. Well, Jimmy, if you are a listener and you've been an avid listener week after week, we found six winners last week. So there's a damn good reason to drop over to Apple and maybe pop a, a, a bit of a review and a rating in there for us. We found uh, the Panthers minus 12 and a half. We found the LA Chargers. We found the... San Francisco 49ers, never in doubt at the minus 10 and a half. Jimmy, a lovely bet to start the weekend on uh, Friday here, Australian time. And then in the racing, we found uh, Osmosis, Osmosis winning for you, never in doubt. Tuvalu for Tristan, who we had a very nice each-way play, and uh, it ran second. And uh, good old militarise, uh, I thought I was gone at 30 metres to go and just went bang. At a lovely $9. So we had collects everywhere. And, Tristan, I think all of a sudden we've got to kick along with that bank again. Yeah, absolutely. We we, we paid the funds there last week and um, we, we started from scratch again for this weekend and we've kicked it back up to 1240 immediately uh, to start off the uh, to start off the new new thing. And what about the go on militarised? It got in very, very short at one point. Jared uh, very wisely took the $9 about it. And, uh, yeah, it was a very impressive win. It was a good race as well. So... Uh, well done there. And, uh, yeah, six six winners. Uh, you know, you don't see that too often. And what about lunch bed updates, Jared? Where are we at with that? Uh, Jimmy, I didn't think you'd ever ask. Um, huh. Yes, the uh, the Chargers did the right thing for Tristan and I. And Tristan and I, uh, Tristan again, just following the right lead. Chargers okay. uh, knocked over the Vikings. So minus one for Jimmy, a plus one for Jared, a plus one for Tristan. You still have a very healthy lead, Jimmy, out there in front at plus 11. I'm on plus two. Tristan's uh, certainly sitting third at the moment. But we still have a long way to go. We're still only last week of September, and we've got till the 31st of December. That NFL season's going to get very warm. Yeah, can't wait for that it, as it gets colder uh, up in the US. Uh, now... Uh, just before we continue with this, uh, we are doing this on Thursday morning. So it's after the Dally M's. Caelan Ponga is the winner. Finished like a steam train at the back end of the season. Picked up six votes uh, lots of times. Uh, pips out Sean Edwards by uh, Sean Johnson by a couple of votes. What do we what do we make of Caelan winning the system? Does it need review? Give us your thoughts, boys. Uh, well, you know, like I, I think going into it, there was a lot of uh, suggestion that uh, Sean Johnson was going to be the person to beat. I, I, I think, from my view, uh, Kalen Ponga was uh, was a huge part in Newcastle's run at the back end of that year. Obviously, he missed a lot of games, so I was surprised that uh, he, he he did win the award. But I, I think he was the most influential player in the season. Let's not forget that halfway through the year, 
the Knights were, uh, you know, they were a chance of running last at some point and he put them on his back and and that's no no uh, no way to discredit Sean Johnson says he had a great year as well. But, um, you know, the other thing I suppose you got to look at is that he opted out of origin. So he picked up a few games in the middle of, of that period too. So, yeah, it, it's a funny one whenever you get an outside result like that. The same, same thing happened in the AFL where Lockie Neal got it at a, at a big price. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's obviously uh, talking points, but I, I don't think anyone can... Uh, can shy away from the fact that Ponga had a, had a great season. Yeah, and I think that that's fair. I mean, I I think every year after the AFL award, there's the outcry about the referees get it wrong or the uh, the umpires get it wrong. And after the Dally M, that those uh, judges might well get it wrong. And I guess we can throw question marks about that. Ponga certainly had an outstanding year. I thought Johnson was a little harsh done by. There were four key games where he was absolutely a standout uh, in the Warriors winning, yet out of those four games in total, only picked up four Dalian points. I mean, that was a little bit staggering. But um, listen, they were both outstanding players, and um, you know, Kalen adds that to the mantelpiece. He'll certainly go down in the future as one of um, the high quality players that we've seen of this generation. He had an outstanding year for the Knights, and it would be very difficult to argue against him being one of the best players in the competition. But some of the criteria around it all, I find a little uh, bewildering, Jimmy. I'm not sure whether they actually have a criteria for the coach of the year and who, uh, whether it's the same panellists that vote for that. Um, I mean, I love Andrew Webster and I love what he's done, but um, I find it staggering that Ivan Cleary, having achieved what he's done again for the fourth year in a row, was not the coach of the year. And if we peel back the Warriors' form, the Warriors had a great season, but a very soft draw. Not once did they beat the Panthers, the Broncos, the Storm, the Rabbits or the Roosters. Mm. Yet Every- Ivan Cleary, fourth year in a row, is in a grand final and minor premiers. So I'm a Dally M judge. So I can actually tell you about um, the way that works. So at the end of the season, you're asked to vote. Three, two, one on which coaches you you think have done, and I won't reveal which way I voted, but um, I, I would have thought, um, well, actually, I can because I've said it on air. Like I, I, Ivan Cleary, I think was exceptional what he did, minus a couple of key players in Kikau and Coruscant, and minus his two assistants, he's done it again. So, and we all know how difficult that is in the salary cap era. So for him to um, be able to uh, maneuver his way through another season and make a grand final and do it. You could argue better than they have done previously. Their defence this year is unbelievable and it's gaps in front of the next best defensive teams, which happens to be the Broncos. So, um, yeah, I was in favour of that. However, you know, what Andrew Webster has done at the Warriors is amazing. And to be honest, if Kevin Walters had won the award, I wouldn't have been upset with that either. Agreed. Kalen uh, Ponga, just on Kalen Ponga, um, I... You can talk about whether the judges get it right or wrong. The other thing is, is the system right or wrong? Does it reward the player that's most consistently good or does it reward the player that is uh, perhaps occasionally or to the back end of a season good and then they pull a heap of points? So that's a separate separate issue altogether. Tamika Upton, best player in the NRLW, I think everyone went, yep, that feels right. Yep. Uh and, and so we're going to see her in action on Sunday against the Titans. So a little bit of breaking news coming out of uh, this morning. Billy Slater has re-signed with the Queensland Rugby League. He'll be coached for another three years. This is on the back of yesterday, the New South Wales Rugby League delaying a decision on Brad Fittler as to whether he will continue and then throw into the mix that Phil Gould has been 
uh, very public about the fact that um, Brad Fittler has asked him to help out. Now, what that entails, we do not know. But I'll tell you what, Tristan, the ingredients for a, a, an incredible 2024 state of origin are all there. Absolutely. Oh, it just adds to the storyline, you know, I think obviously Queensland got the result and they won the series. But as we, as you pointed out, Jimmy, particularly uh, before that third game, there was a lot that didn't go New South Wales's way, and uh, there's a lot of injuries. It was a it was a tightly fought series, and uh, and and obviously the Adelaide game. I think things could have completely gone differently there as well. So I think regardless of the coaching situation, we had a had an unbelievable series on the horizon. We had the the ingredients here where Billy's. Uh, got three years on his contract. Geez, you'd like to be in his position negotiating a, a new contract, wouldn't you? I, I, talk about having a handful of aces. but uh, And then, obviously, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Freddie from the get-go. So the discussion is going to lead in. There's going to be a lot of discussions surrounding, you know, player picks as well. Like, what, what we, 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 we've got the Daily Player of the Year that didn't play Origin uh, for Queensland that, Will he come back into the side? How can you leave uh, Reese Walsh out as well? So, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic uh, storyline, and I think it's going to lead into the uh, to the season very nicely. Oh, it makes for just an absolutely juicy Origin series next year, doesn't it? I mean, uh, uh, arguably the godfather of New South Wales Origin in in Phil Gould, and you know the the long term results uh, and reputation and influence that he's had around New South Wales coming back into the fold to support. Um, uh, I guess he's uh, anointed golden son in, uh, in in Brad Fittler. I mean, I, I just think that's a fantastic combination as a storyline for New South Wales. Uh, then against um, Billy Slater and on the back of what he's done with Queensland, it, gee, it, absolutely cracking season um, and origin period already just to look forward into next year. So, the, so here's the incredible thing. And we talked about, you know, the things that went against New South Wales. And I still think that there were things that were done by the New South Wales coaching staff that could have been done differently, in my opinion, you know. So they're, they're a lot closer to it than I am. However, if Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic are fit, how good is Gus? <laughs> like, he, you know, and oh, how how important was Gus's counsel? Yeah, that, and it's also great that Latrell and Tom played, you know. Um that, that's how that's how tight these games are. And you make a very good point around Caelan Ponga. Caelan Ponga believes he's the best player in the comp. He was anointed that last night. But Reese Walsh could be the fullback for Queensland for another decade. And and, and Billy Slater has no reason to change from Reese based on what he did this year. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be another, another great series. Um, all right, lads, why don't we get into it, hey? Uh, we'll have a we'll have a quick look at the NRLW before we jump into the NRL Knights up against the Titans, the defending premiers from last year against the surprise packet of this season. Uh, and basically, they're the same two sides. There's great matchups all across the field. Two that I want to highlight, Tamika Upton up against Avania Polite. Polite last week for the Titans was absolutely phenomenal. She ran for... 270 metres, and it was in 70 minutes. So it goes to show how important she was, and we know that Tamika Upton is danger all over the place. Up front, though, Shannon Marto up against Caitlin Johnston. So uh, Marto was one of the standouts again this season, and Caitlin Johnston's just a powerhouse uh, through the middle of the field. Where's the market on this one, Tristan? Yeah, this one opened up at four and a half, and we've already seen a move towards uh towards the night so uh, yeah towards the night should i say so it's now five and a half and we're shorter newcastle it's a dollar 50 the knights 250 the titans 
Minus five and a half, 182 the Knights and 192 the Titans, 37 and a half the total points. So obviously when the Knights played uh, the Titans earlier in the year, they won that game 22-10, won it pretty comfortably. They did have a sin bin as well. So it was a pretty impressive performance. And uh, that's obviously seen the the money move towards the Knights. But we had something similar when the Titans beat the Roosters, where the Roosters uh, gave the Titans a quite a sizable thumping in the regular season. And we saw how good the, the defence was there by the Gold Coast side last weekend. If they can back that up, they're certainly in this game and uh, and and obviously against the reigning champs, it, it's, it's going to be a blockbuster. So certainly at the moment, money for the Knights, but um, you've you got to give the Titans a chance there at the odds. Yeah, Jimmy, I haven't watched as closely as yourself uh, each week, but um, I think we've got a, a, a great matchup here. I'd love to see the upset. I'd love to see the Titans win, but certainly the Knights do look the standout. I think the market looks about right. Um, coming into play, though, is we've got a three o'clock game on what's going to be a very, very warm afternoon. I'm, I'm sure that might loosen things up here a little bit too and maybe uh, open the game up a little bit more and we might see a little bit more attack. But, you know, the Knights have been uh, um, probably the benchmark uh, around the top of the table during the course of this season and they do look very hard to beat here. I think the market's probably got it right. So Hannah Southwell, captain of the night, she missed out last year because of an ACL. Her younger sister, Jessie, um, is an out-and-out character, um, but supremely gifted player. And she's sort of the wild card within all this. So, like I, I was at that game last week, NRLW, uh, the Roosters versus the Titans. I was amazed at the defensive effort of the Titans. 65th minute, kick downfield, and there are 12 chases in a line. So Karen Murphy and her team, she was named Dally M Coach of the Year, last night uh, she's done an extraordinary job with them but in saying that one of the other nominees was ronnie griffiths who is looking to go back to back so uh with newcastle this is a great matchup for me i like the titans plus five and a half o- on the back of that outstanding defensive form and the fact that the merlihan girls are leading them out i think uh that is that is money for jam uh that one there but that's that's a, a great watch earlier we've got the east tigers taking on the south sydney Rabbitohs, so uh that will be of interest as well. As you say, Jared, 35 degrees anticipated in Sydney on grand final day. So that's going to be challenging in every way. All right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, boys, Panthers up against the Broncos. It's really easy to do the team list update as per your big league program, like they were last week. Uh, where have you landed with this market, Tristan? Yeah, this this one, um, I think there's a lot of, um, we, we alluded to it last week where, this is probably a little bit of an artificial market in my view, and it's a dollar sixty the Panthers, two thirty five the Broncos, three and a half is the line. And um, yeah, there's no secret there was a um, you know a promo at the start of the year with one of uh, one of our competitors that offered all the teams hundred to one, and I think uh, there would have been a hell of a lot of people on the Panthers at that one hundred one price. And as a result, um, I feel that it's compressed this market somewhat, and uh, and with with a lot of people trying to position themselves into this final with a win-win scenario, which I think has kept the Broncos a little bit shorter than what would probably be the case if that that wasn't involved. So we opened the market at three and a half. There was three and a half, four and a half. The market's come into three and a half now. Um, And at that three and a half, there has been a push for the Panthers at the minus, but it's been a very, very good betting game. I think this is going to be one of the best betting games from our perspective for a long, long time, because there's so many differing opinions both sides are coming into this red hot um, in, in, in a great form line. And then the defence of both these sides has been phenomenal. That sees the total points at 38 and a half. We've laid the unders into $1.80, the unders, $2.00, the overs. Um, 
you know, the, the, the heat is, is, is going to be some, some issue. If, if it's still the case at 7.30 at night, we'll have to see. But I think Penrith are going to be uh, too good. I, I think they've got the experience there and not, not discounting anything Brisbane's done. But I just think Penrith are going to take this three-peat and they're, they're going to have a, a massive performance there on Sunday night. Tristan, if you backed out some of that influence from elsewhere into the market, would you think that the Panthers are probably closer to $1.53? And maybe a four and a half position. I, I, I think without the outside influence, um, you'd see the Panthers at most a dollar fifty three. I sort of thought, under normal circumstances, you'd see them maybe a dollar fifty, dollar forty seven. I, I sort of had them that short. Definitely four and a half. Um, yep. I, I certainly think it's moved moved the market a point. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, my number to start with is is four and a half, um, and I don't have a great deal factored in to the, uh, the Panthers playing at Homebush and playing out of Sydney. Um, so, you know, I'm probably a rating of, of four points between them and maybe a, a half a point advantage to the Panthers, given the fact that they've got that experience playing in grand finals and playing at Homebush and that they played there last week. Um, yeah, we end up with obviously the top two teams. They both had the week off and they both are the best two defensive teams in the competition. And, you know, that clearly... Uh, has been a bit of a standout. Jimmy, I think if we go back to week one, we all discussed the fact that we thought that the team that uh, won out of the Panthers' storm first up would likely be uh, the opponent to the Panthers coming through in the grand final, and so it is. Very interesting that both teams come through the same form line. The Panthers uh, beat the Warriors, then beat the Storm. The Broncos beat the Storm, then beat the Warriors. Um, Both have been defensively very good in uh, all of their four games. Uh, for mine, I think the key is how much latitude the Broncos get. And you know, I, I think a lot of people got a little bit excited last weekend. I love what the Broncos did. And visually, they just look fantastic. But they're just not going to get that that level of latitude against this Panthers defence. And if I go back to round 12, and I did a couple of days ago, I went back and watched um, extended highlights twice of that game, which is where... The Panthers went to Brisbane as eight and a half point favourites to play the Broncos. The Broncos were without Reynolds. Um, but in that game, the Broncos only got 13 offloads and they only averaged about 38 metres per attack set. And 38 to 39 metres is about uh, about the standard um, when you've got these top teams against each other. Last week against the Warriors, they had 23 offloads and they averaged 49 metres per set. They're not going to get that latitude this week. It turned into a really open game um, where it was almost more touch football than it was anything. They were able to run the Warriors around. They ended up kicking away. I thought they probably left a couple of tries out there. There are a couple of occasions where I thought they were just going to really put two or three tries together against the Warriors. They ran 3,500 metres. You don't see 3,500 metres um, when the top four quality teams that also have quality defence are up against each other. So I'm expecting that that round 12 game is very much the blueprint of what we see here. I think, and in that game, as I suggested before, the Broncos got 13 offloads. Well, the Panthers also got 13 offloads, um, which a lot of people sometimes underplay that the Panthers can do that. Uh, I think through the middle is where the game is won and lost. I just thought the Panthers' middle three, in particular Fisher-Harris and Leota last week, were absolutely outstanding. They really took it to the Storm, but the Storm also really took it to them. And my worry about the Broncos is 
Defensively, they're so tight. They're the second best in the competition. And Jimmy, you touched on it on radio on Monday. You know, Haas and Carrigan and Flegler, they don't make errors. But the one thing about them, I just think they're too polite in defence. They don't whack you in the face. They, they don't really hit you and hurt you with a lot of aggression. And on the two occasions that the Storm have taken it to it and by half time been neck and neck with the Panthers, and it was the first time they played in Melbourne and then I thought at half time last week, they've been really, really physical and aggressive through the middle and really stuck it to them. And that's what the Eels also did in that last round game out of Penrith Park. And if the Broncos just defend really, really well, but don't play that aggression, then I don't think they upset the Panthers. And I think they get into their rhythm. And um, I just keep coming back to that defence being the key. Uh, one last point tactically that I think's flown under the radar for a lot of people over the last couple of days of discussion around this grand final. Three weeks ago, um, or three games ago for the Panthers in the last round against the Cowboys, Ivan Cleary moved Crichton from where he's been playing on the right edge to the left edge. And he's left him there, even though bringing Tago back last week, he's moved Tago to the opposite edge to where he'd been playing all season. And if we go back to that round 12 game, the Panthers played 70% of their attack attacking that left edge, which is Staggs and Cobbo on the outside. And Cobbo's been found out many occasions for rushing up too quickly and not working with his centre. Staggs at times also has a question mark in defence. And I think Ivan's been planning what he wants to do here for the last three weeks. Uh, off Luai with Crichton back there. We go back a couple of years ago. They had three years together where they were outstanding on that edge. I think it sets up the winger on the outside, which is Tavava, as a absolute almost lock as an anytime try scorer. But I think that's where the Panthers are going to want to play. The other thing that comes into play with moving Crichton to that edge is that's the same edge that the Broncos loved this week with Walsh. Um, and I think with Crichton being a much tighter defender, and he's also a wonderful intercept king, uh, I think it strengthens up what the Panthers want to do. I, I keep coming back to defence. For me, I think 38 points. I've got the Panthers winning 22-16. Uh, I think they cover the three and a half. If I'm betting, I'm certainly on the Panthers minus three and a half. So you think Crichton on the left-hand side? That's interesting because the intercept came on the right-hand side. So Walsh... Uh, right-hand side defensively. So Walsh likes, I mean, he likes to pull the trigger both sides, but certainly on his right to left, he, he likes doing that. Um, the beauty of Crichton is he can he can look for that intercept and he's still got the athleticism to be able to recover from that, especially yes. if he's looking <clears throat> midfield, which is where he, he, he often goes for an intercept. He won't do it on the try line. The other thing about that is that Tungor, the one try the Melbourne Storm got, it was just a bad one-on-one -on -one miss from Isaac Tungor. Completely. Yeah, so Farnworth and Kevy Walters and Reese Walsh and Adam Reynolds, they all saw that. So, you know, that's going to be an option for the Broncos as well. The, the thing about the Panthers, and, and this is what's been said a lot, they won't beat themselves. Their completion rate in the semifinal series over the last three years is astronomical. Last week, yep. 87%. So that they just don't make... And, and you know how we thought Isaiah Yo was that really good link man? He actually ran for 210 metres last week. Like, so often we saw him put the ball back under the arm and just go forward. And <clears throat> they're so controlled about what they do. They're so deliberate about where they give the ball back to the opposition. And that's partly their yardage game. Their back three yardage game is exceptional. That's partly their middle forward yardage game. And you could add Liam Martin and Scott Sorensen to that. And that's partly Nathan Cleary's kicking game. 
which he which he rarely, if ever, gets wrong. So you add all those things together, it means that the the type of football that we saw from the Broncos last week is going to be rare. It's it's really going to be origin esque in the fact yeah. that you're going to get four chances down there and you're going to nail every single one of them. I think the Storm created three, maybe four chances in that first half last week. They didn't nail them. And in the end, that that cost them the game. They had no pressure on the scoreboard against the Penrith Panthers. It's a great. It's, it's almost a a Styles thing, Jared, isn't it? Like uh, it is. It is, yeah. Jimmy. And Styles make fights, isn't it? I mean, it's a great line, and it's so true for this occasion. And Jimmy, you're right about last week. Um, at halftime, I thought that game should have been ten all. I thought the Storm will were um, were uh, line ball with the Panthers. When I looked at the stats at halftime, the Panthers had had eleven additional completed sets to the Storm in the first half. Now, half of that was the Storm's errors. But if the Storm, and they traditionally don't make that many errors, they'd at least ruined two, possibly three tries. It should have been about 10 all. And if I look at those stats and their line ball, and then the Panthers just late into halftime and then in the second half, they just have gears where they just start to move up and roll. And um, I agree with you. I mean, I think Tago on that right edge will be targeted uh, by Farnworth. He's got some advantage of having Liam Martin inside him and uh, Toho on the outside, but he's going to need that. That was a really poor miss last week, but Ivan won't change them now if that's been his path. So I'm sure that uh, Tago plays uh, right, Crichton plays left. I think Crichton will have a big game. Uh, but I expect Luai to have uh, a blinder. I I, uh, I think he was $31 earlier in the week for man of the match. He's still $26. I just think that is way overs. And history tells us that um, that rep players and halves have an outstanding record of winning the Clive Churchill man of the match. Just on that, the Clive Churchill market, Tristan? Yeah, so it, it's always one of the other uh, most popular betting mediums for this week. And uh, we obviously have a very firm favourite in, in Nathan Cleary, who, which is which is quite obvious. Uh, Reese Walsh on the other side of the ledger, $6.50. Adam Reynolds at eight fifty. So you've got the two Broncos there that are, that are right in contention. Then you've got Dylan Edwards at 11, Payne Haas at 11, Patrick Carrigan at 13, Isaiah Yo at 13, Liam Martin, who I, I think um, yeah. is a big chance to, to get the award. He's $19, has been very, very well backed. He's been back from 31 into 19. So... Certainly a few people in line with that sort of same theory. And then just to touch on Jared's man, Jerome um, Jerome Luai, he's $26 and he was in from 31 as well. Him, uh, Martin and Payne Haas have been the best back so far this weekend. Righto, Jared, you better load up for us. What are you doing? Uh, Jimmy, I'm certainly with the Panthers. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, their record at covering the line, the fact that they've got this defence uh, and their defensive system... Um, uh, I, I've got them about a 65 to 70% chance winning here. I think three and a half is uh, a touch too low. I'd be with the Panthers to cover the line. The Broncos can win. They absolutely need to be the best. Reynolds would need to be uh, one for the ages, but that's why they paid him the big bucks and he's been very good for them for two years and this is his day. Um, but I'm with the Panthers. Listen, I thought the points were, I, I was about 38. I'd lean to the unders. Six of the last nine have been lone scoring and under in a grand final. Last year, we were heading toward an under until a couple of uh, junk time tries late for the Panthers. So I certainly think that's the style of game that we're looking at. And for mine, I thought anytime try scorer on that left edge, I want to be with uh, Tavava at uh, 250. Gee, I, I thought he was uh, a lot shorter than, 
than that for mine. Crichton at 262, I thought was great value. And uh, uh, Lulai as my man of the match play at 26 bucks. Okay, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm 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 all over Penrith. I I, I think as as Jared says, uh, Brisbane are very much a chance a chance of winning this game. I just think Penrith's going to be too clinical, too good, have too much experience in these big games. Let's not uh, forget that in addition to that week off, they've been resting players for the last month here. I think they're prime for this game. I I, I think a few of the cobwebs uh, came out um, against the Storm last weekend. That Tungo miss first game back was probably something that that you, you could expect in someone's first... I don't think they'll they'll be doing anything like that on the weekend. I think Penrith minus three and a half is a, a really good play. I like uh, a bit, bit, little bit of value, Liam Martin, to get them the man of the match. And just having a look at uh, the try scorers, um, Stephen Crichton at the 262, he, he's got to be there or thereabouts after scoring in the last, uh, what is it, last two or three grand finals himself. So, um, great. great game. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think the Panthers are going to be very, very hard to beat. And I like the minus there. Yeah, Stephen Crichton scored in the last three grand finals. Uh, which is incredible, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, definitely one to keep the eye on there. Uh, Edwards is going to be everywhere, isn't he? I think Edwards, a um, bit of second phase play, following up a break, a, a, an Isaiah Yo, maybe offload to Cleary back inside to Edwards, $2.83. Um, but the real anytime try scorer I'm looking for is Liam Martin, $3.55. So uh, he's the guy that uh, I would be going with. I like the Panthers 1-12. to so you take the $3.10, and I think the Panthers minus three and a half is an absolute gift. Absolute gift. So um, look at us. We're all singing the same tune, eh? We're, we're all like the politicians at the back just nodding with whatever everyone's being said. This is a great setup for us to all have egg on our face. But anyway, I think it's going to be an absolutely magnificent grand final. Let's hope we're talking about the players after the match. That's uh, so, Adam G. Well done getting your first grand final. Who's going to deliver the Dan Andrews speech if uh, Brian, if, if the Broncos win the game? <laughs> Jared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, uh, so are we trying to couple up a uh, a three game, a three leg same game multi out of the three of us? Yes, please. All right. What's your contribution, Jared? Well, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll go with uh, Tavava as. Uh, an anytime try. You mean Sunir Taruva? Is that the bloke you're Taruva, talking about? that's him. Yeah, Taruva. That's what I <laughs> said, wasn't it? Valium Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah. Jimmy, yeah. you could have scored those 12 tries. He was tiny. He's tiny. He was at the Dallium's last night. There's not much of him. Uh, he's He does. He plays well above his weight. So He's a, he's a great story, isn't he? Yeah, excellent. T? Well, um, I, I think considering we're all on the Panthers, we have to throw them minus a three and a half into the into the multi, and then I'll let you take your uh, third slot with whichever try scorer you want to throw in there, Jimmy. Okay, so uh, Dylan Edwards is there, and the market says more likely, but let's put some value in there at three dollars fifty-five with Liam Martin. Liam Martin, that that gets the multi out to twelve dollars fifteen. And if you if you like that option, if you like Liam Martin scoring, I think you have to have a little nibble on him to get the Clive Churchill because we know he's going to do all the uh, all the the hard yards as well. And if he happens to go across for a try, um, you know they're, 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 he's going to be up there in lights. And we saw what happened last year where Nathan Cleary probably had a had a very very strong game. But uh, I, I think the uh, sometimes when you've got a team that's been in back to back to back finals, um, sometimes the selectors look for a different option if if, if there's a bit of a tight tussle at the top. So. I think Liam Martin at $19 is a, is a bit of value. And if you think James Fisher-Harris represents significant value, remember, 
The people who select the Clive Churchill Medal are the Australian Rugby League selectors. So Mal Meninga, Laurie Daly and Darren Lockett. And you can't help but endorse what you're going to do. Liam Martin will be in that kangaroo side for the Pacific Championship. So take that into consideration. Uh, well, Jimmy, uh, as I touched on before, 34 of the last 37 Clive Churchill winning uh, selections have been a rep player. Of those... 22 of the 37 have been a halfback, a halfback, a 5'8", or a fullback. Yeah. Yeah. So Dylan Edwards is not. Uh, Nathan Cleary is. Gonna Jerome Luai is. Uh, yeah, but he's going to be Samoa. So if, anyway, if he, anyway. If he gets up at $31, Jimmy, I'll ring from Hawaii on Monday. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's get to the racing over there. Summer loving it is in, but Jared, where are you taking us? Uh, Jimmy, what about this card at Randwick? Dear, oh dear, we've got Group 1's all afternoon. Fantastic meeting. But uh, oh, I, I found um, the Epson, the Metropolitan, and a couple of those other races later in the day just look rippers, but, gee, very difficult to try and isolate down a winner. So I, I went for one earlier in the day. Randwick race for number 13, Altivo. It's one four of six for the Hawks stable. Uh, first up, last start, carried 61, was drawn low, ended up back on the fence, never saw clear running. It drops five kilos here, gets Zach Lloyd, who's got a very good affinity with it and the Hawk Stable. Um, I thought it gets a very nice map, and um, in a, a weaker grade, I thought it was a very good horse. Uh, the all-important staking plan, as I said last Jimmy, I'll, uh, last week, Jimmy, I'll just go $100 the win. I think around the what, $330, $350, Tristan? Yeah, $3.30 I'll tee up at the moment. So uh, it's been very, very solid in the early markets. And, uh, yeah, obviously Zach Lloyd in the saddle as well, been riding very, very, very well. Um, yeah, then we, we go to race six, as you say. It's, it's a fantastic card of racing. Um, it's what, probably the best uh, day in Sydney, you know, maybe Bar Everest Day and... Uh, yeah, Summer Lovin' again has got the other uh, PBL bookies tax with the wide barrier where it's uh, uh, drawn barrier 11 in a field of 13. Um, I, I don't think uh, we've ever had a horse in a group one drawn uh, away from the, the outside four. So it's going to have to do it tough. But Rachel King in the saddle, it looked like it needed that extra 200 metres when it was still coming home there in the in the T-Rose there last start. So 1,600, if it can get in from the wide gate, $26 is worth a little each way play. But I'm going to take us... Uh, to the Epson. I, I agree with you, Jared. It's a really, really tough race. So look for a bit of value in this race, which you're going to find because uh, the favourite is a $6.50 shot, number three, the inevitable. But I just think Nugget, uh, Damien Oliver's last ever ride in the Epson, uh, it's it's drawn the outside gate as well, drawn barrier 19. So it's, it's going to need a little bit of luck to get in there. But I thought its run first up was pretty handy. Um, I think this it's stepping up from 1,300 to 1,600 metres. And I think at $8.50, you've got to have a little something on it each way. I'm going the 50-50 staking plan. That's race eight, number 11, Nugget at $8.50 and $2.90. Who'd have thought Tristan Merlihan was standing on the grassy knoll looking at the book depository, hey, with his tin hat on there. <laughs> I like that. What was it? The bookies tax out there? BBL <laughs> bookies tax. Well, one, of, one of my friends, uh, as, uh, he was also a bookmaker, has got a horse in the Epson and has drawn the outside gate as well. So uh, it, it might just be coincidence. But... <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, got to pay up your product fees, right? So make sure you get them, get them in. Uh, I'm going to go Mooney Valley Friday night. Here we go. Race Ooh. five, number eight. Tracy's had a look at the form all around the country. It's fantastic. Uh, group two stuffed stakes. So Vidad uh, is the play here. 
big leap up into group racing, only second start, but very impressive first time going around. The 1600 suits as well, gets the good gate uh, also with gate for 650 and $2.05. You know, in the interest of really letting your hair down on this grand final weekend, the all important staking plan, let's just go on the nose, Tristan. Go on the nose and, uh, yeah, it, it's a cracking meeting there at Mooney Valley. It, it's obviously there's no racing uh, in Melbourne on Saturday being AFL Grand Final Day. So they've got the more stakes, which is a group one. That, to me, is always the, the real start of the carnival. Um, and then, yeah, the stut stakes is, is, is a high-quality race as well. Unbeaten after one start, Verdad, at $6.50, we'll put it on the nose, 100 on the win. Griff was impressive a couple of starts ago, but it's drawn wide, which is pretty tricky around that Mooney Valley circuit. So I think for Dad, it's certainly going to be very, very hard to beat. All right. NFL, Jared, where are you taking us? Well, Jimmy, I guess the key talking points is the uh, Miami Dolphins, none from three, uh, three from three, and the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. The big question about the Dolphins is, as these weeks go by and it gets colder and colder later in the year and they've got a bit more travel, do they keep winning? And I know that's been one of your key angles against them in the past. Well, they go up to Buffalo this week to play the Buffalo Bills, and I see that they're the outsiders. So very interesting matchup, that one. But listen, I, I really like what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. They come off a short back up here off a, a Monday night game, but they play the Washington, Washington Commanders. I think that's... Uh, a huge gap in quality. Let's go with the Eagles minus eight and a half at a dollar ninety. They were my best play for the week. Kristen? I'm going to take us for a team on the bounce back. Um, we were all waxing lyrical about Dallas uh, after the first two weeks and they, they got turned upside down by the uh, Arizona Cardinals, who I think a lot of people have underestimated so far this season. They, they, they might meet their makers when they take on the 49ers this weekend. But Dallas return home. They, they take on a team which I think is struggling in the New England Patriots. I think Dallas are going to make a statement at home. I think they're going to bounce back and cover that minus seven at $1.96. Uh, to get their season back on track after that very disappointing loss last week. All right. Um, now, Thursday night footy is Detroit Lions up against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, this is fantastic. Minus one, $1.82. So um, I like that. I like that up there at Lambeau. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all over that one. So my, my question was, do I then multi it up with the other game that you mentioned, Jared, and that is Highmark Stadium. So it ain't cold now, right? It's playing up there in January is the issue, but not now. So the Dolphins will be fine. Can't believe they're the 227 outsiders just because Josh Allen uh, got things going in, in week three. But I'm looking at the overs and unders line. And Jared, you know where I'm going here. Over 54 at $1.87. Over 54 points. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to multi that up, boys. The dollar eighty-two into the dollar eighty-seven. How, how's that sound, Tristan? Jeez, I don't think I've ever heard you tip Detroit, uh, Jimmy. So no. it's, uh, it's I, I thought you tipped the unders before you tipped the Lions, but the <laughs> minus one flat into the over fifty-four flat in the Miami Buffalo game works out at three dollars forty. About that multi. So uh, yeah, there's been a lot of tough nights at Lambeau Field for uh, for Detroit fans. Uh, I think they'll be very very happy their favourites going into this game and I think they'll be looking to put the foot down and uh, and get their season rolling after that big first up win. Yeah. All right, lads. That's it. Weekend coming up. Great racing. Friday, Saturday. Uh, and we've, of course, got the AFL Grand Final. Quick tip there, Tristan. 
Oh, I, I think it's genuinely a toss of the coin game. I, I think uh, the, the Lions, they, they showed that after they were in a, in a bit of trouble in the first quarter against Carlton, they flew home strong. Uh, $2.10, I, I'd, I'd rather be with a plus in that game because I think it's a genuine toss of the coin game and, and I think it could go either way. Go the Lions. Go the Lions. Oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, look, there's Jared just getting a run up onto a bandwagon. Listen, Jimmy, I live all of a all of a block from the Gabba and my daughter's a Lions member and she's there most weeks. So I'm certainly uh, true blue with the Lions this week. Listen, now, I, one of the highlights of sport is watching 90,000 Collingwood fans go to a grand final and lose. So let's <laughs> hope it happens again on Saturday. <laughs> Uh, very good. And then, of course, Sunday, we've got the can't wait for the big NRL grand final day. And um, may the best teams win. Let's put it that way. Enjoy the weekend, lads. I know you will. And we'll do it again next week. Let's go. Reading the Play is Australia's favourite source of NRL and horse racing tips. Our professional analysts provide the sporting enthusiasts with the best of the best. Get the best professional tips and previews from our tipsters direct to your phone. Readingtheplay.com.